Good evening. Glad that you're with us this evening. This is uh, what part three in our series on ministry matters. We're looking at the different ministries that we do here at Oldham Lane. Specifically, we've looked at adult education. We've looked at involvement and outreach with Jake. And um, actually, I'm excited for tonight, but I'm also excited in two weeks, we're going to talk about preaching with Forrest McCann, and that's going to be a great one. I'm excited about that one. Uh, this one's better. Forrest, did you hear that? Blake issued a challenge. <laughs> Forrest isn't throwing up any uh, arguments there. Um, and I will be away from you next week. We always take a week at Christmas and spend time with family. So uh, we'll be traveling back to uh, Arkansas. And uh, I'll miss you, but it'll be good to, to spend some time with family. And uh, you and Jake are going to cover for me next week. You're in the morning. And I gave you the blessed privilege of preaching on Revelation. Yeah, youth minister on Revelation. Y'all, a lot of churches would say, hey, preacher's going to be out of town. Just preach what's easy. No, I, I told Blake, we're doing his word. You got to do revelation, and he's doing that. So we'll see. Kudos, kudos to you. Uh, I'm actually really excited. Yeah. And so tonight we're talking about youth and family with the best youth minister in the brotherhood, Blake Dozier. I mean, listen, I, I travel I, I, and I, I speak at a lot of different places. I've, I've got some connections in the brotherhood, and I can tell you there's a thousand youth ministers. There's very few good ones, really, to be honest with you, and Blake is the best. So uh, what, a, what a great thing that we have the best youth minister right here at Oldham Lane. So what a privilege. Blake, uh, to start our conversation tonight... Um, and by the way, this is kind of practice for the podcast tomorrow, so you can go back and watch this on the podcast later. But I want to start with why. Why youth ministry? I mean, I know not everyone, not every church buys into youth ministry or believes in hiring a youth minister to facilitate right. things. Why do you think youth ministry is important? Um, that's a good question, and I would answer that in two parts. Um, first of all, I think youth ministry is important because it's biblical. And, and so we talked about that a little bit last week with adult education. I mean, do we see this laid out in Scripture exactly the way that we do it? No, and, no. and I'll explain in just a second why that is. But God's people have always been called and expected to prioritize generational faithfulness. Um, if we go back to the beginning, back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, um, we see that call um, laid forth. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And you shall teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. And so from the very beginning, God set forth this idea of families, growing children who follow in their faithfulness. But if you look, he's talking to more than just families. He's talking to the community as a whole. Yeah. And so we see the failure of this community in Judges to pass on their faithfulness. And what happens? We enter a cycle um, a cycle of faithfulness and falling and faithfulness and falling, and it all is related to the passing on of faith to the younger generation. Sure. It manifests itself in the generation below. So then we move into the New Testament, and we see the same priority placed on raising up a faithful generation. So we look at Jesus, 
and who he chose to work with. Um, for all practical purposes, the, disciples, the apostles would have been teens to maybe low 20s if we looked at the evidence and what we see in Scripture. Um, we won't go into that. Jesus worked with adolescents. Paul um, partnered with younger ministers and brought them up. We see um, Timothy's mother and grandmother instilling faith in him. And in Titus, we see an encouragement to teach the, for the older women to teach the younger women certain things. So all the way throughout Scripture, there is this consistent call for us to bring up a faithful generation behind us. So while the Bible doesn't give us a pattern for how to do that, it does tell us we need to do that. And, Absolutely. And so that's what yeah. your job is and your role as a youth minister. You've said it before that uh, I believe I've heard it from you that, that the best youth ministers are the parents. And uh, that your, your role is more of a facilitator, mm -hmm. that you're trying to facilitate that growth that happens when they're here. Absolutely. I, I think that's one of the pushbacks against modern youth ministry is, is that very issue there. Is there has been a tendency maybe to push too much responsibility towards the youth ministry and alleviate some of the load, you might say, on the parents. Yeah. And, and that is not a place where we want to go and a place that we're striving hard to stay away from right. here. No one will make an impact on their children like a parent. Um, if you just looked at the sheer number of hours that are spent with a kid, um, I mean, what I get to spend with them is a blip on the radar. Yeah. Um, that said, youth ministry, the way that we do it, I do believe fulfills uh, fills an important need yeah. in the lives of the teens. See, we live in a time that's different today than maybe has been experienced in well, I mean, maybe over the last few generations, but different than historically has been experienced. And that's that there's been this emergence of a thing called youth culture. Right? It started from what I've read maybe around World War II, at the end of World War II. Um, and as affluence began to grow, um, as um, uh, spendable funds began to be available, as mm -hmm. education began to be prioritized differently, our young people began to develop this culture among themselves. And we've seen that grow into today. Um, and not only has it grown and flourished and developed, it has become extended. Mm -hmm. So we have youth culture, we have extended adolescence. And so what we're kind of left to figure out as a church is how do we maintain this priority of building generational faithfulness in this landscape amongst our culture that's different than ever has been experienced before, where kids aren't as integrated maybe with their families from the beginning to the end as they were, where there's this thing that has emerged called adolescence that's this no man's land, this in-between place that's quite frankly pretty new. Yeah. And, and so youth ministry has really been our response with what to do with that. So it's reactionary kind of, you know, just... I, I think so. Yeah. Um, some good things have come out of that. Some bad things have come what, out of that. What are some of the negatives? What are some of the risks of, of this? Well, like I mentioned earlier, well, I think two big risks. Uh -huh. um, first of all, the tendency has been to downplay the role of parents during this important year. Yeah. Uh, important, during this important uh, stage. period, stage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and we can't do that. 
Um, another response that I think we have stayed away from, but a lot of times kids have been put, pushed towards these parachurch organizations that fulfill, and by that I mean organizations such as Young Life, FCA, stuff like that, that seek to fulfill some sort of a, a spiritual um, piece, but it's removed from the church. Right. Um, and so we kind of risk two things. We risk responding by pulling them aside and creating this youth culture that has a youth church. Yes. And that's devoid of interactions with church as a whole and with parents as a whole. And both of those are unhealthy approaches that we have worked hard to stay away from. They're okay here. to be supplements, but they certainly can't take center stage and be the only kind of I, I think so. exclusive you exactly. know, way of... So exactly. do you think that this has because of our failure to respond correctly, or maybe we just haven't been able to um, maybe craft something that, that meets the need, do you think that's led to like the dropout rate? We hear a lot about kids after they leave home, leaving the church right. and leaving their faith behind. And depending on what numbers you look at, I mean, it can be daunting. Uh, some say like 70%. I, I, don't, right. I typically don't think that it's that bad. Maybe I'm just naive, but we do know that many times they do come back. We're not getting all of them back. Right. But why do you think the high dropout rate? Is that part of it? I do think that contributes some to it. But, you know, this is a conversation we've had before. I, I'm not so convinced that we have a problem with our youth. I'm yeah. not so convinced that this problem with the dropout rate is some intangible thing and we need to respond with different programming. Yeah. Um, I just, I think we have a culture problem that starts with the adults and, and is trickling down into our young people. And I mean, if I had to define it with one word, I think I would choose the word holiness. We've lost our holiness. We have a distinct, holiness problem. Kind of thing. Our distinctiveness. Yeah. Um, you know, think about if, if you are a parent, think about the things that you prioritize for your kid. I mean, we want them to be Christians. We want them to be distinct and set apart. Mm -hmm. but, but we want them to fit in. And, and we want them to be involved. And we want them to be included. And we want them to have opportunities. And we want them to have success. And the truth is, I think a lot of our kids are getting pretty mixed messages from our parents. Because the truth is, we're not really sure where we land on these things. Yeah. Um, do we want a life of comfort for our kids or do we want a life that's focused on eternity? Yeah. You know, are we going to push aside and endure some discomfort and endure some injustice for our kids and maybe they don't get every opportunity but be with them in, for eternity in heaven? Yeah. And I, I mean, we don't think about it quite that way, but yeah. we need to. Um, so I, I think every answer to the dropout rate is in this book. Uh, I really do. I think we have to teach the book, and I think we have to live the book out as parents. I think we have to teach the book and model the book, the Bible. Yeah. Um, if we can not only love the Word of God, but show the kids the way that we love the Word of God, I believe that will be transformative in the way that they progress through adolescence into adulthood. Um, the burden's really on us as parents and collectively as a community mm -hmm. to show that to our kids. So, so you're, you're kind of going back to what you said in the very beginning, this generational faithfulness. 
it, yes. it's going to have to start with the the generation before, and, and it's Absolutely. going to have to trickle down. And if Absolutely. Um, I, I've said before, we can't expect our kids to be more than what they see in us. Yeah. And so, therefore, I mean, we we start it, we model it, and then hopefully it it, yeah. it uh, is contagious. Right. Um, let, let's talk a little bit about. Um, you and I have mentioned it before, these, these realities that you talk about with youth ministry. I think they're really, really good. Mention those. I think there's four of them. Okay. Mention those four realities for folks here that I think uh, are very profound. Okay. Reality number one that I think is worth talking about is that there is a period in the life of an adolescent, an emerging adult, where parents don't have the same voice in the lives of their kids that they did when they were younger. So this comes from observing. You have lived through this, and I have not. And it's absolutely um, true. Yes. And Okay. But, you know, I read a lot about youth ministry, and I read a, there's a big push to get parents involved, and we need to. But I think as a greater community, and, and when I say this, I'm speaking to everyone here, young and old, but particularly our older members, you bring something to the table you bring a voice to the table. You bring an input to the table that the parents may not have for a period. I don't know how y'all were with your parents, but my parents went through a period where they were really struggling to have things figured out. And they grew out of it, okay, about the time I graduated college. But during that period where my parents had just completely lost it, okay, I really needed y'all. Um, I really needed y'all to engage with me in a way that they couldn't. James and Debbie did that in a big way for me. Yeah. Um, and, and they can never replace my parents. Um, my parents' input on me was formative and huge, but during that period, I didn't want to have much to do with what they had to say. Well, it's the but whole coaching to, adage where, yeah. you know, if I tell my kid something, he doesn't listen, but if the coach says the exact same thing that, that he does it, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's funny, I'll brag on the, uh, some of the kids to their parents every once in a while. Um, not very often, okay? Um, but every once in a while, I always say, well, I wish they acted, you know, I wish they acted like that at home. And I mean, it's kind of a joke, <laughs> but I mean, it is the truth. There's a, we get to have a different relationship. So I don't get to spend as much time with them but the times that I get to spend are spent differently. Yeah. And, and that's the case with everyone here. So, I mean, that's reality number one. Um, you, you are important in the lives of our teen just because you are not a parent. And there is a period where the parents need you to pitch in and help. Um, reality number two. Yeah. Life is different for our teens today. And, and I think the... Um, you know, kind of the thing we fall back on is, well, I mean, we've been there, we've done that, we kind of think we can just naturally empathize with them, because we kind of remember what it was like to be a teenager, but you don't. You, you don't remember what it was like to be a teenager in 2019, because it is not the same yeah. at all. You couldn't wait to drive. They can't wait to get their phones. <laughs> you had to go to the store to buy the latest music, and they don't have to wait for anything. Um, you started playing sports in junior high, and you probably played quite a few. They're expected to pick a sport and specialize when they're young and excel at it and drop everything else. You know, I mean, yep. just the expectations culturally, it's different. Yes. You faced sexual temptations. They are completely hammered with them from every facet of our culture. Um, 
your parents probably didn't know where you were on a Friday night, but their parents do because they're tracking their phones. So, you know, <laughs> there's some give and take here. Um, but life is different for our teens than it was today. So knowing that as we engage with them, I think that it's important to ask a lot of questions and seek first to empathize, um, to try to figure out, to, to spend some time trying to put ourselves in their shoes and not assume that we know what it's like. Yeah. It's tough being a teenager today. Yes. It, it is really tough. Um, reality number three. Even though it's different being a teenager today. It's the same. It's the same. Yeah. And so here's what I mean by that. Their desires, the things that they are searching for, are the exact same things that you're searching for. Um, a lot of you have figured it out. Your identity, your purpose, and the place where you belong. Who am I? Why am I here? Who do I matter to? Where do I fit in? Okay. Those are burning questions for all of us. But they are on the forefront of a teenager's mind. And we have the, the only answer to those three questions that satisfy. I mean, the world is giving them a lot of answers to those questions. And all of them are temporary. Yeah. Who, who am I? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Where do I belong? What's my purpose for being here? I, I'm a child of God. I'm here to glorify Him. And I'm part of this family. We have to speak that truth at every turn of the road into the lives of our teenagers. And I love the last one. Reality number four. Um, that we need them just as much as they need us. And, and I wanted to talk about this a little bit because I feel like I, I'm sitting up here for 20 minutes talking about y'all. <laughs> I think it's important for y'all to hear like me talk. Like you're not in the room or something. Yeah, yeah, like you're not in the room. Like, you know, y'all, you know, hush. And, <laughs> anyway, but, but we need y'all. And I know y'all hear me say that, but I want you to hear me say that in front of everyone. We need you. You have a lot less figured out than the other people in this room. So I'll give it that. You got some work to do putting the pieces together. But while you may not have the maturity and the life experience and the wisdom you make up for in your energy and your uh, eagerness and the questions that you ask and the hearts that you demonstrate and the life and joy that you bring to this place. Um, sometimes that might mean we get to watch someone lead singing in dirty overalls and a I love my dog sweatshirt on a Wednesday night, okay? <laughs> and, and while I kind of roll my eyes at that, it really makes me smile. Yeah. Um, it, it really makes me smile to look over there and see y'all because it gives me hope. So when I look out at the world, I get really discouraged thinking about my own children and what it's going to be like to bring them up. And then I, and then I look over here and I... Like, yeah. they're the ones that are going to fill that role for my kids. I'm like, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would say we do a grave disservice by telling you that you're the future of the church. You're not the future of the church. Yeah. You're the church. You're the church right now. Yeah. Right now. And you have so much to offer yeah. and so much to give. So I just, I mean, it's, for me, so much comes from, from that side of the room. And it's just a, yeah. 
that's, that's just, I look over there and it's like, oh, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Uh, y'all are so important. Um, youth ministry is so important. What, what we are doing here is so important. It, it fits the biblical framework. Um, it rightfully responds to a cultural reality. We may not always be perfect at it. It is a moving target. Yes. Um, but yes. We're, we're zeroing in on it every moment, and we're, we're chasing it, and, and we have to keep fighting that fight for well, the sake and, of our kids. And what I love, I mean, you say that youth ministry is, is not a noun, it's a verb, and I think that's so true. But the one thing that I like, there's several, but one of the big things is, is you're not about programming first. Right. And I think in a lot of youth and family ministries, it's about that. And I'm sure you learned a lot of that from James as well. But um, it's not about how many things can we provide entertainment-wise for our kids. Y'all have fun. Y'all do a lot of entertaining things. But first and foremost, you're about teaching them to grow and develop and mature in their faith and how to handle the world as an adolescent, as a teen. And I think that's great. I think, I think we have to understand, I mean, if I was kind of summarizing youth ministry, youth ministry is a bridge, uh-huh. okay? And so there's a lot of tools we're going to use to get the kids across the bridge. Biblical education is huge. Yeah. Um, and, and so we are working hard to cultivate in them knowledge of what's in this book and a love for what is in this book. Yeah. Um, but, but there is more to it than just that. In a culture that has developed this youth culture, having a place for them to be, a place for them to belong, a place for them to formulate friendships with other Christians is, is also an important tool that we have in our box for helping them span this bridge. You know, youth ministry is for adolescents. Yeah. Okay? Family is for life, but the church is for eternity. Yeah. I think we have to keep that right in our head. Um, understand that this is a temporary thing, we're going to have a senior Sunday. We're going to graduate them out, and they're going to move on. Yeah. Okay? So we're not going to neglect the families that are going to walk with them through the rest of this, but understand that eternity is at hand. Okay? The, the church is eternal, and eternal things are the things that matter most. Right. Keeping them focused on that and pushing towards that is of paramount importance. Um, so, I yeah, have, as, we're, as we're winding down, why don't, yes. you, why don't you tell us some things that that you need or that would, that would help, okay. I say you need, that we all need okay. uh, from a parent standpoint, from a church standpoint, to make a successful youth and family ministry. Okay, really quick. If you are a parent of a teenager, and, and really this starts way before the teenage years, yeah. so everything we're talking about here matters, I think, to my friends raising with, with two-year-olds in the house. Sure. Um, prioritize having your kids here. Why? Because for us to bridge the gap, they're going to have to be present. And so having your kids here gives them an opportunity to have those relationships with non-parental influences that are going to be really important. Um, Parents, be prepared for the times when special conversations are going to come up. Most of your time is spent driving them back and forth and brushing teeth and doing the mundane (laughs) daily task. But when they do come to you with a big issue, it's going to be big. Uh, a big question, a question about the life and the direction that they're going. So you have to be prepared to answer those. That's where you are going to serve an important role still. Model for them what you want them to be. Um, Nine out of ten times, they're going to turn out like you. Um, And if you don't like that, change it. And pray for your children. To the church as a whole. Hey, here's some advice to you. Don't be weird. Be yourself. (laughs) Don't be weird. Um, (laughs) notice our young people, encourage our young people, 
and do everything you can to help them see that they matter here. Um, learn their names and use them. Okay? That is uh, one of the most powerful tools in your tool toolbox, is knowing their names. Um, take advantage of these times when we are together. And be mindful and grateful of the contributions that they make to this family and speak to them often. Okay? Encourage, encourage, encourage. In fact, I would encourage you, um, unless you have a really close relationship with one of these peop young people, to only let encouraging words come of your out, out of your mouth. And if you think something needs corrected, let me know, and I'll take care of that. So we do some correcting now and then. Um, don't try to be the parent. Be what the parent cannot be during this period. And pray for our young people. <clears throat> me. Um, I'm going to work hard to educate, to speak to the issues they need to hear, and to cultivate a place for healthy, godly relationships. I'm committed to being a resource for parents, a resource for our kids when they have questions and need to talk, um, a supporter of our families, a supporter of the church, and a bridge builder um, as we bridge this span between childhood and adulthood through a difficult period of adolescence. So youth ministry is for adolescents, families for life, churches for eternity. I love that. May we keep our goals and priorities crystal clear. Absolutely. Yep. Man, you see what a privilege I have to work with this guy every day. Him and Jake, you know, it's, uh, it's amazing you get to work with your two best friends every day. And, and we kind of like Brianna, too, so good to have I, her around. I was just excited to get to talk about something other than pornography. <laughs> yeah, last time we talked about pornography, if you remember. And that, <laughs> that was a little more stressful, wasn't that it? Was, that was. This has been great. So I'm glad to be here. <laughs> And thank you all for being here. And uh, I, I think this is good because while our young people and, and their parents know you and get to hear from you on a daily basis or regular basis, I should say, uh, our congregation as a whole may not. And I, I want our folks with the Shepherd Talk to see the heart of our shepherds. And I want the folks uh, in our congregation to know personally our, our other ministers uh, because, you know, they see the preacher every week. But uh, you guys are... I mean, you're the reason for our success. I mean, it's, it's just so awesome. And so, yeah, thank you for all the work that you do. And thank you all for encouraging our young people. When you said encourage, 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 our people are really good at that. Oh, uh, yeah. And with our preacher training, training camp students, our shine girls, I mean, they do such a good job with that. So keep up the good work. Thank you so much for that. Uh, let's have a prayer. Our most kind and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for Blake and for Brianna and for the work that he does and that she shares in. And we just pray that you be with them, be with their family, and help them as they take on this endeavor. And uh, be with all the parents of our young people. As, uh, you know, God, as, as parents, sometimes we wonder if we're doing anything right sometimes. And uh, I just pray that you be with our parents. Help them as they, as they lead spiritually their families. And we pray for our young people. You know, I don't think we always give them enough credit. We've got wonderful young people here that are, are making a great impact in the world around us and we pray for them that they'll continue to be lights in the world help us as the church to encourage 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 it's in your son's precious name we pray amen amen and folks we want to we want to offer an invitation as we close today uh, dave has a invitation song ready uh, if we can help you in some way if we can pray with you 
Um, you know, remember Reuben and Matt that came forward this morning. Remember those in our prayer list. And, you know, there are so many here that may not even answer the invitation that are struggling spiritually in, in some way, shape, or form. And so we just ask that you, you know, if you need our prayers and, and, and support, come forward. Uh, if you want to do that, maybe you're ready, you know, to put on Christ in baptism, make that decision. And we want to do that as well. We want to, we want to share with you, weep when you weep, rejoice when you rejoice, whatever it may be. If you have a need, why don't you come as we stand and as we sing.